Welcome to Seeking Scripture Deep Diving Bible Study. I'm Christy Jordan, and I want to help you develop a firsthand relationship with the whole Word of God. For links and graphics mentioned in my podcast, please visit the corresponding post on SeekingScripture.com. May Yahweh bless the reading of His Word. Good morning, siblings. Today's readings are 2 Kings chapters 4 through 5. So much going on today. Rabbit trails. Diving right in. Leaders lead by example. As we see with the demeanor of Elisha. I love the quiet assurance in Elisha's words. He doesn't raise his voice. He doesn't get in a tizzy. He just says it like it is, and folks can believe it or not. It makes no difference to the truth. The more I study Yahweh's word, the more I find myself becoming like this. The assurance that the Father is orchestrating all, planting seeds, and laying out our paths, and we need only stay in the word, focus on him, and follow in order to take up our role in his divine plan. No yelling, no condemning, no trying to convert. He is the one who must turn a heart. We, of our own accord, are powerless to do so. Important, but we do have to walk the walk, live our faith, and use Messiah as our example of how to live, rather than just a name we call upon from time to time. What did he, our Messiah, do? Well, the word of Yahweh tells us, so we must read it, know it, and do it. By the way, We've been reading about our Messiah since Genesis. Check out John 1, verses 1 through 4, and John 1, 14. He is in every commandment, every instruction, every syllable of wisdom. 1 Kings 4, 1, The Oil and the Vessels A beautiful quote I found about the oil and the vessels from evangelist F.B. Meyer reads, When our need is urgent and we spread it before God, The question is never about the amount of oil, but of the empty vessels. We fear that there will not be enough oil. God is concerned lest we fail to bring sufficient vessels to hold all that he wants to give. The oil was multiplied in the pouring, as the meal of the other widow was increased in the spending. God's oil will never be exhausted so long as we can receive and impart. 2 Kings 4 verses 23 through 26 A son dies, and a mother remains calm. I want to focus on this passage in our reading today with my notes, but let's start with a little observation. 2 Kings 4.23 reads, And he said, Why will you go to him today? It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. Now, this statement is actually letting us know that Elijah had established a ministry and was teaching on the appointed days, because this lady had a custom of visiting him on the new moon and Shabbat. Note, the new moon is the beginning of a new month on the Hebrew calendar, and Yahweh had given specific instructions as to how to observe it back in Numbers. We've read extensively on Shabbat already. The Father is really clear and repetitive on that one, and we'll continue to read about believers observing it all the way through Revelation. In addition to the quiet assurance of Elisha, the Shumanite woman seemed to reflect that same assurance in him when her son had passed. We do not see her getting a tizzy or run around yelling and wailing. Instead, she gets right to business, saddling a donkey and heading straight to Yahweh's representative. Now, in 2 Kings 4.26, we encounter a verse that will likely stand out to you. 
Elisha sees her coming and sends his, sends his servant, which is a much younger and therefore spry fellow than himself, ahead to see if she's okay. He instructs him to ask the woman three questions. Is all well with you? Is all well with your husband? And is all well with your child? She answers, all is well, and keeps on going towards Elijah. Now, did your record skip a bit when you read that? No doubt that reply has had many people scratching their heads over the ages, which is why I immediately went to BibleHub.com and looked up the verse so that I could read the interlinear version to see what words were used in the original text. When something doesn't seem right, it's always a good idea to dig a little bit and see if we've lost some important information in the process of translation. In this case, most definitely so. Let's check this out. Now, first in my notes, I have a link here. I want you to click on it. It's in Bible Hub, and it takes you to the interlinear. Keep in mind that Hebrew is read right to left, so in order for these sentences to make sense, you need to read them backwards. Now, do you see the numbers up over the words? Those are for the reference numbers for those words in Strong's Concordance. Notice that one number is repeated four different times in this single verse. Look below that number and you'll see that the words are all variations of one word. Click on that number and you'll see that the word used four different times in this passage, once in each question Elijah sent and once in the woman's reply to him is Shalom. Bam. You know how you sometimes seek a little light to be shed on a subject that seems a bit elusive or vague? Well, this just turned on the floodlight. Now, we talked about shalom before in here. It is a very special word. Sometimes it's used as a greeting, sometimes as a goodbye. But the underlying meaning is still there, and it is a very special greeting because of that underlying meaning. Many will say that shalom means peace, and I would say that that's accurate. But it goes beyond that. Shalom is a very special kind of peace that can only come from the Father. It is a peace an assurance of spirit, and a calm that often defies the world's logic and certainly can't be found within the world. Shalom, a peace and assurance that can only come from relationship with Yahweh. When we use shalom as a greeting, we are actually blessing the person we are greeting, wishing them this wonderful peace that passes all understanding. What a precious way to greet and be greeted. So now, her response to Elijah makes absolute sense. Recall that confidence with which she laid her son on his bed and went to saddle her donkey to go find him. She knew exactly what she was doing and who to call upon for healing, and she knew, with faith and assurance, complete shalom, that the God of Elisha would heal her son. And only then, with that level of faith, can someone ask us in the middle of a raging storm if we have shalom. And we can answer, I do. So she answered the servant and kept on going to her objective. And just like the woman with the issue of the blood who touched the zitzit on the hem of our Messiah's garment, her faith made her whole. Second Kings 5.1, Naaman actually had Zarat. Recall that we discussed back in Exodus that leprosy is not the best translation here. The affliction is entirely different from that as it can appear and disappear in a moment. It is an affliction from Yahweh, and you can read more about it in my notes by clicking here. 
Note, though, that this is a very special case because Zerat usually only happens to Hebrews who have been unfaithful to or disobeyed Yahweh, often with what is known as evil speech. But Naaman was a Gentile. In this case, we can see that one of the reasons the father used this affliction with Naaman is that it resulted in Naaman coming to know the father. Moving on. It's a trap. The whole king of Syria sending the letter and treasure to the king of Israel was a total setup. The king of Syria did not worship nor believe in Yahweh, but in sending this man with all these riches and a personal letter asking the king of Israel to heal him, he appears on the outside to be showing faith and deference to the king of Israel. But even the king of Israel saw straight through it. If he doesn't heal Naaman after all this spectacle of gifts and hubbub, then he dishonors the king of Syria thereby giving him an excuse to attack. Of course, the king of Israel knew he could not heal him and saw right through this, but rather than call upon Elisha, he just proceeded straight to the gnashing of teeth part. How many times have we done the same thing instead of calling on Yahweh? I hope you are enjoying our readings. Last year, around this time, I heard something insightful in a podcast that I was listening to. A man was talking about how sometimes Yahweh is silent when we ask him how to solve a particular issue or what to do in a specific situation. And it's in these situations that often his silence gives us an opportunity to realize that the answer to our question has already been given in his word. And that is why I call it the ultimate guidebook to life. Test everything. Hold tight to what is good. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 We are saved by grace alone. Obedience is not the root of our salvation, but it is the fruit. May Yahweh bless the reading of His Word. I love y'all. Bye-bye.